Carlos has been, uh, as many of you guys know, we had scheduled for Carlos on this call, and uh, Carlos has been down with a bug flu for the last couple of days, or I'm sorry, a stomach flu for the last couple of days, and I just called up Mike. I said, hey, man, would you be willing to, to step up if, uh, if Carlos can't? And uh, he said, absolutely. So, uh, Mike, we are so honored to have you uh, here. And so, uh, man, Mike, the, the, the table is yours, man. Take it away. Hey, can everybody hear me okay, Ryan? Can you hear me okay? Yeah, we're doing great. Just so you know, everybody's muted until we get to the question and answer portion, and then we'll, we'll unmute them. Awesome. I had that tragedy happen yesterday, everybody, where I dropped my iPhone, which is everybody's worst nightmare, and it smashed into a million pieces. Um, but that gave me a reason to go buy an iPhone 6, so God is good. I got, <laughs> it at half, I, I, I got it at half price. Anyway, I don't have all the settings set up, so I'm just hoping that uh, this, uh, this mic and everything's working good. As Ryan said, I'm in Canada or as you might call it, the 51st state. Uh, and um, I look at this as more as a conversation. I'm aware. I know some of the guys on this call, and I heard some from Illinois and uh, New Mexico and Oklahoma and Texas, and I know there's some other places. And uh, I just want to say I look at this more like a conversation. Uh, there's some brilliant minds on this call, and I'm very much aware of that. And I, I believe that there's a conversation. I, I think it's, I call it a band of brothers um, or a coalition of the willing where God's building more than a few celebrities. And I, I thank God for great influence on different leaders, and I don't think that's a bad thing. But I do think there's something happening through even conference calls like this where God is joining the hearts of guys and girls and, and youth pastors and youth leaders and volunteer youth leaders who I think are heroes, those youth pastors that work full-time jobs and then do this. I think between them and single parents, they are the heroes of our nation. If that's you, I just want to applaud you. Um, but I think God is joining this coalition of the willing where it's not built on so much um, fame or how many followers you have on social media, but a heart to work together. And I look at youth ministry, even ministry, as a conversation these days, less so than a workshop. And I just want to say that. I want to recognize the, the influence and the anointing and the experience in the room and let you know I really appreciate the chance to not even so much speak to you, but to, uh, to have a conversation today. Maybe that will come out in our comments and questions. But let me just jump into this for a few minutes, as I'm sure we got busy schedules on this Thursday, um, whether it be after your youth ministry day or maybe the day of or maybe the day before. Uh, Ryan gave you a little history. I've been in the same youth ministry. I'm an anomaly where I've been in the same church for 34 years, um, grew up in the same church, and then had been in the same youth ministry, Shiloh Youth Ministry, for 28 years. Uh, I started going when I was 12, like most youth, and I had the uh, – opportunity to experience the same youth ministry in every level that you would go through as a youth and young adult. So as a 12-year-old coming in, starting, you know, um, pre-puberty, going, you know, who am I and what's going on and, and, and who am I as a person? I remember walking in going, am I the funny guy? Am I the quiet guy? Am I the jock? You know, the, the identity years. Then going into the rites of passage of dating and, and, and what, getting your license and then going through high school and then university and as a young adult. And then starting to help. And at 19, start really feeling a call uh, to help lead, volunteering as a leader, and then being a young adult, walking through those single years, thinking, okay, you know, single, looking to mingle. People are trying to pair you up at 23, 24 with people in the church. And, you know, these, these women that are in their 50s are trying to pair you up with their daughters or their, or their nieces and just that awkwardness. And then finding my Nancy and then getting married and still helping in the youth ministry, working a full-time job. 
And then at 30, I started full-time ministry at the church, uh, launched a missions program. And then at 32, my youth pastor, the same youth pastor, Shiloh is over 30 years old. We've only had two youth pastors in over 30 years. Um, and at 32, my youth pastor handed it to me. So the same youth ministry I started in 12, I took over at 32. When most guys are getting out of youth ministry, I started full-time youth ministry. But I, I like to say that I've been in leading that youth ministry, whether volunteer or as the main guy, for about 20 years. And then in June, I transitioned there. I felt God was saying a different direction, different timing, some different desires in my heart. And I just felt it was a better fit for the team at the church and even for myself to make a sideways move. Uh, and right now I'm traveling full-time, though I'll say this, that's not the call of my life. I'm called the pastor. Uh, hard services, bad services, good services, great services, incremental growth. So saying that, in the middle of this, I'm learning, I'm asking some questions, and I want to go over them with you, where my mind has been over the last 20 years, and even in the last years I've been traveling. Shiloh looked the exact same um, for 28 years that I was in charge of it. Um, when I took over at 32, it was healthy. It was a healthy youth ministry. It wasn't breaking down. It wasn't falling apart. When I was transitioned into it, it was healthy. At the time, it was 25% of our church's size. I'll say this to give you some context to show you about some things I want to share with you, some things I've learned. But when I took it over, it was about 25% of our church's size, which, you know, by numbers, and numbers aren't the only way to validate or to um, evaluate, but it is one way, and 25% of your church's size is a good size for a youth ministry um, by any stretch. And so it was healthy. Um, it hadn't changed its look in 20 years. Again, it wasn't broken, so why fix it? Uh, we were doing youth church. It wasn't youth group. There was worship and preaching and very, very passionate preaching and discipleship and, you know, from ushers to budgets to conferences, you know, to T-shirts, uh, you name it. It was a, a growing, it was a very healthy youth ministry. But when I took it over, I was confronted that I knew that we were just scratching the surface of influence and impact. And I remember seeing a certain number on our youth ministry thinking that's a great size at the time. It was the largest youth ministry within a 20-hour drive in our country. Um, so I, I could rest on that, but I remember looking at a local high school five minutes away, and they were 10 times bigger than our youth ministry. I remember thinking, okay, we have a significant size youth ministry, but if I take away that and look at the community, we're not even scratching the surface. So I started on this journey going, God, what do you want to do? And here are some questions I started asking myself over the last 12 years or so. Questions like, why do some ministries grow and why do some ministries not? I started asking questions like, is all growth healthy? Or is, it, is there a difference between growing and getting fat? And a lot of times we look at numbers, hey, they're growing. You know, I want to challenge you. I think there's a difference between growing and just putting on weight. There's a difference between healthy growth and unhealthy growth. And then I start asking the question, what is the blueprint? What is the biblical design for ministry? And today I don't think I have all the answers by any stretch. And I know you've had Kevin Moore on here, and I know you've had Bandy, Pastor Banning. I know Ryan and other guys, and even Joseph, who will be on next, next conference call, I believe, um, uh, again, very gifted, very dynamic. But in my own conversation, I started asking, what's the blueprint? How would God, because, you know, in every, every season there seems to be different um, teachings, and I've always always taught that, you know, the last three letters of trend is end. And every trend will end. And I believe in being creative, and I believe there are different trends we need to jump on and different waves of culture and timing. And thank God clip art was just a trend. Thank God felt boards were just a trend. Thank God, you know. Some of these things were just trends. Carmen, Carmen music videos, for those that are old enough, were just a trend. But I do believe there are biblical principles that go beyond seasons, that go beyond trends, 
that transcend culture, whether you're being in Indiana or uh, Illinois or Oklahoma, New Mexico, or even Canada. I believe there are biblical principles we can implement. And this is the journey I was on. Let me tell you this. I had, a, I had a, this epiphany moment. I was in a place in our country called Ontario, and I was visiting this church. And, this, and I, I, I had this thought. I said, I've believed a lie. And please hear me out when I say this because it might, it might uh, confront you in a wrong way. But this is what I thought. I said, I've believed a lie that I thought prayer and purity and fasting and discipleship was enough to grow a ministry, and that's a lie. I was in this church, and this pastor, man, he fasted 40 days consistently. He was the real deal. He was better off the stage than he was on. His kids loved him. Um, what a prayer warrior. What a, what a preacher of the word. And his church would not grow beyond 100 people. And I remember saying, God, what is this? I know there's some ministries I've visited, and to be honest, it's about an inch deep. There doesn't seem to be any real health to it. It doesn't seem to be real spiritual. It seemed like more like a marketing than it is biblical. And they're growing in numbers. And then I had this pastor who, who loves you, who's pure, who is in deep into the word, who is, you know, after those things like purity and fasting and consecration, and it wasn't growing. And I really had this epiphany that, that if you just pray enough, you can grow your ministry. And, and I don't believe that's true. There's a, a, two keys, I believe, for the blueprint for ministry. And I'm going to unpack them for the next few minutes in Scripture. In Isaiah 54, verse 2, and it says it in the New King James Version like this, in Isaiah 54, 2, Enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Again, dwellings could be your influence, could be your ministry, could be your home. It says, do not spare. Lengthen, that's one key, lengthen your cords. And the second one is strengthen your stakes. And I started to go on this journey to understand there's this marriage between lengthening and strengthening. I want to unpack that for a minute. Strength, let's look at strength for a minute. This would be another word I could put there would be your cause. Another word I could use for that would be intimacy. Um, this is quality. This is a strength. This is your why of ministry. And this is the depths of your ministry spiritually. It would be things like fasting and prayer and hearing God's voice and, you know, learning how to deny yourself and take up your cross. These are the deeper things. These are more than just, hey, bring a friend. This is more than, you know, giving away T-shirts or, or giving away um, prizes or giving away different things. This is the deeper things of ministry, the quality things, the strengthening. The Bible says not only to lengthen your cords, but to strengthen your stakes. And I started looking at ministries, realizing some have lengthened, but there's no strength. And I said, how do you evaluate the strength of your ministry? It can't be on numbers. And this is what I, I heard a guy named Joel Stock still say. He said, you want to know how strong your youth ministry is or your church is? Call a prayer meeting on a Friday night at 11 p.m. See who shows up. Whoever shows up, that's how strong your youth ministry is. And I don't care if you're running 50 or 500. Whoever shows up on a Friday night at 11 p.m. to pray, that would be a direct coalition to how, coalition to how strong your ministry is. And, and I want to say there's been times in my youth ministry, man, where we had lengthened and we had some numbers. But if I called a prayer meeting, I don't know how many would show up. And uh, so I'm talking about strengthening. In a lot of youth ministries, we talk about lengthening and how to grow. And, and, but there's no point growing something unless it's healthy. And you don't want to reproduce anything that's not healthy. Cancer reproduces at an alarming rate, but you know cancer is not healthy. And I know that sounds basic, but we've got to get a hold of that. A lot of times we want to reproduce things, but I'm not sure they're healthy. It's mixture. It's, it's compromise. It's a lot of things. And we see a lot of that growing in the church. And the very foundation is we need to strengthen before we do anything else is strengthen what we have. And everyone wants to expand, 
uh, and lengthen, but I want to ask you, do we strengthen? If you don't strengthen, if you look at lengthening and, and growing your youth ministry, but you don't strengthen what you have, and I would use this term, quality control, if you don't strengthen first and all you do is lengthen, and I'm all, again, I'm all for multiple small groups and multiple sites, we were the first youth ministry that I know of in the country to go multi-site when our church had not gone multi-site. In fact, our church didn't go multi-site for six years, and we were multi-site as a youth ministry, and the infrastructure of doing that is a whole other conference call. But here's the question. Here's the, here's the thought. If you lengthen before you strengthen, you'll have a collapse. And I, I'm, a, I'm a dad, and I have an 11-year-old and a 9-year-old, and I build forts in my home all the time with blankets. And if you've done this or you remember this, if you don't strengthen that fort before you lengthen it, you start pulling on those blankets in between the coaches, the roof will collapse in. And we've all done it with clothespins. And you're thinking, how can I strengthen the middle of this fort? You know, churches are like that. Marriages are like that. I think ourselves are like this. But if you don't strengthen it before you lengthen it, you're going to have, number one, a collapse. Or number two, you're going to lose what you had. Now, think about armies that would be Napoleon or even more modern day. If you start taking more territory, but you don't strengthen what you have, you're not actually taking more territory. You're just playing musical chairs. And if I can look at countries, if you're in France and you move on to Germany, if you don't strengthen what you had in France, the enemy can come in behind you and take France, even though you've gone into Germany. And as youth ministries, we can say, hey, you know, we're going to lengthen and we're going to go into our schools. But if you don't strengthen what you have on your service, say on a Wednesday night, all of a sudden uh, impurity and compromise will come in. Or you say, hey, we're going to go multi-site and go to three locations. But if you don't strengthen your prayer, your worship, if you don't strengthen, you know, get rid of cliques and your, the purity and dating of your relationships, you can grow and lengthen, but you'll collapse because of lack of strength. And I hope that makes, strength. So, makes sense. So I'm talking about strengthening. That's your prayer meetings. This is the deeper things. This is fasting. Some of us are fasting, fasting, but fasting is biblical. It is denial. God does something. I don't understand it, to be honest, all of it. But I do know something happens when we fast. I'm talking about retreats. Retreats are powerful times. Conferences are different. They're kind of, you know, this blow up, blow in, blow up. But retreats are the deeper things, going after things, extended prayer times. I'm talking about teaching. More than just preaching, you know, emotional response. I'm talking teaching on things. I'm talking about devotional training. Whether that be doing Periscope devotionals in the morning or your, your soaps that you guys do or handouts and these curriculum that we write. These are the deeper things. So that's strengthening. The first key, I think, in a blueprint is strengthening. The second thing, is, as I've already alluded to, is lengthening. And I think this is where a lot of churches in Canada especially miss it. They go after the strengthening, and I think you need this. This is your number one. This is your ground floor. You need purity. You need, you need consecration. We need devotion. We need to understand you know, who God is to us, that relationship. But I think a lot of churches many times stop there thinking that's enough. And it's not. And I think the second thing is lengthening. And another word I put on this would be infrastructure. And another word I put on this would be community. So lengthening is also infrastructure, which is also community. Strengthening without expanding. So if you only have strengthening without expanding, it's defrauding its influence, and it might explode. And I like to liken it to like these cans that <laughs> with like aerosols, if you throw it into a fire, and the heat, and it starts getting really, really, really full and starts getting all this pressure, if you don't expand that can, if you don't make room, it will explode. And so many times we see ministries that start to get all this strength, and they'll explode with attitudes or frustration. And you know that. Maybe you've experienced that. You've been under a leader, and there's been a lot of strength and a lot of positive things. 
but if there's not room for either leaders to come alongside to help grow your infrastructure or to replace the leader in a healthy way to have that leader go on to something else or to launch the junior leaders into greater influence, maybe to do their own youth ministry or maybe do their own campus or something else, if there's no room for expansion or lengthening, many times you'll have uh, explosive. We see this with Moses. Moses was after God's heart. He was a man that shone with the anointing. His face lit up because he was so covered in God's glory. But his own father-in-law came to him and said, listen, you're strong. You know God. But unless you lengthen, unless you build infrastructure and get some people to help you, you're going to explode from the pressure that's on you. Do you remember the story? He said, you can't do all this. Let's get some godly men in here. And let's build some infrastructure. Let's lengthen this. Jesus himself, he's our example. He was, a, he was God. He was man. He was healthy. He was, he was the most pure. He was the most strong. And what's the first thing he did? He went and got 12 guys. He said, I need to build a lengthening infrastructure. Listen, if Jesus needed to do it, we need to do it. I want to challenge you with this thought. Um, and in a minute, we're going to take questions. But here's my thought. In Matthew 13, Jesus is sharing the story of the sower and the seed. And we read over this, and you're well taught. He talks about the seed going on thorny ground and stony ground and then being choked out and all these things. If you read it through it, the seed landed on four types of ground. And here's what I want to remind you with this thought. If you think about this, 75% of everything that sower sowed failed. 75% crop failure. Think about that. The problem wasn't with the seed. The seed, which in this case is the word of God or quality. You look at your life and your youth ministry, we're talking about good seed in good ground. We're talking about, you know, a holy life. You guys aren't into image. You're into quality. You're, you want to hear God's voice. You're working on your purity. You have God's favor, God's calling. You believe it's good ground. You have, you know, something good you want to share, the anointing. The problem's not with the seed. The problem there, it wasn't a quality problem. It was the ground. So here's the question. How do we, even Jesus said, hey, youth pastor, 75% of every blood, sweat, and tear, and gain, and retreat, and conference, and message, and, and everything you do, 75% is going to fail. I want to encourage you this morning. Some of you are like, man, I, I don't know if I'm getting ahead. Like everything I do seems to be falling on deaf ears, and that one kid's not listening, and I feel like the worship is like 75% not there, that only 25% enter in. I want to encourage you. You're, <laughs> you're biblical. 75% crop there. So how most of what you do is going to fail. Isn't that encouraging? You're like, man, I got on this call. I got up early. I got coffee, and this guy's not encouraging me. Most of what you're going to do is going to fail. Most of what you're going to plant is going to fail. The three quarters of all your efforts is going to fail. So how do, we, how do we overcome that? Listen, I think many times we settle for once a week service and wonder why we have decline. We have to think like farmers. If we think like farmers, and Jesus wanted to think like farmers, how do we get more trees? And in this case, trees for us are lives transformed by Jesus Christ, lives that have an experience with God, salvation, filled with the Holy Spirit saying, I'm on mission to make an impact, not just hear from heaven, not just to, for heaven to hear from me, but for me to hear from heaven, not just to get to heaven, but to get heaven here. How do we get more trees? I think it's real clear we need more seed. We need seed more often, and we need it in more places. That's lengthening. And that's not just once a week preaching a 45-minute message. It's more seed. So if you want more crops and you know there's going to be 75% crop failure, it's not genius. If you want more crops, you know it's going to fail. You've got to put more seed out. 
you got to do it more often, and you got to do it more places. Let me tell you about my story real quick. Um, we were in the same service in the same place for decades, and then I realized I need more seed more often in more places. I started this thing. We had, you know, we had our, our services on Wednesday night. I was driving by our high school. I went in and saw the principal, and in Canada it's a little different than maybe in Oklahoma and Texas and maybe where you're at. But there's not a real openness to have any type of faith in the, in the schools. So I went in and said, listen, I'm not looking to share my faith. I just want to come in with my students. I vote 20 in this one high school from my youth ministry. Can I just come in in the cafeteria? I'm not going to look to preach. I'm not looking to meet people. I just want to have pizza with my students. And I listed them. And they said, no, we don't want you in the school. So I looked at that like a no. And a, and a no isn't usually uh, um, a finality. I believe it's a chance to be creative. I think God uses no's to, to make you creative. So we started this thing. And I was driving by the school, and there was a building next to the school, a public space, which had a rink in it and a pool and a gym. It was like a sports community center. And I felt God say, go and rent a room there because all the students would leave the school at lunch, walk across the parking lot to this public space, and go to this food court. And they'd have pizza and subs and whatever. And I went in there, and I asked, how much to rent a room? And they're like, 25 bucks. I'm like, I think – even as a poor youth pastor, I think I even have that on me right now. If not, I'm sure my lead pastor had it in his coach cushions somewhere. So I went in and I, I rented this room for 25 bucks. And, I, and just to jump ahead of the story, I thought it was going to be discipleship. I didn't think it was going to be outreach. I thought it would be my 20 kids and maybe, maybe a couple friends come for pizza. And I was going to go through the book of James. I was going to call it Shiloh, which is our youth ministry, Shiloh High School, because the high school was called Sackville High School. So I had the same initials. I used the same colors. I was trying to be creative with my design. I thought it's going to be discipleship. The first week in a small classroom, we had about 60 people show up, and all of a sudden I realized this isn't discipleship. This is outreach. And these kids were there for pizza, but they were there for more than pizza. And I said, how many here have never held the Bible? And like 40 kids put their hand up, and I said, my God, I'm in over my head. The next week we had 90. The next week we had 100. I had to move to a slightly bigger classroom. It was standing room only. When we stopped it at our max, we were running 130 students every single week, most of them unchurched. Listen, that's more seed more often in more places. I was preaching six minutes. That's a miracle. I was showing I am second videos. I was showing fail videos where kids fall off their bikes and they parkour gone bad. And I was liking it to the gospel like you can fail your schooling, you can fail relationships, but you can't fail where you're going to spend eternity. And God started doing a miracle where these youth started coming to our youth service on Wednesday nights. Another thing I thought was young adults. You know the statistics? Young adults walk away after high school, and they, you know all the statistics. And I said, listen, I'm tired of hearing these conferences and reading these books. Let's do something. And in our city, there's 30,000 young adults that meet, that come to school every year, and we live about 30 minutes outside the city. So I said, listen, they're not going to get on a bus, which takes an hour to get to us. I said, let's go to them. And we started a thing called Shiloh University Church. On campus, we rented a room. I started it with 40 leaders. I said, hey, who wants to help me do this? And I want to say this, uh, leaders is, is lengthening and in infrastructure. And I started with 40 leaders. We put up 300 posters every week. We did candy handouts on campus when classes changed. Ryan's been there. He, he, he's seen one of our services. We advertised in newspapers, like 50,000 ads. We did coffee shops. We did all this stuff. And um, we started seeing hundreds of young adults on Friday night in Halifax. Listen, there's more bars per square inch than almost anywhere else in the world. There's a lot of options on a Friday night in Halifax. And we have students from Lagos, Nigeria, London, England, Texas, 
all over Canada. They don't care what I think. Their parents think they're there. They're 21. They're away from everybody, and they're coming to church, and they're having experience with Christ. And we literally tripled our youth ministry in a year, and the quality and strength wasn't the question. It was the lengthening. And we realized we needed more seed in more places more often. I want to leave you with this thought, and this is where my mind is. I was outside a church, uh, Hillsong, New York, two years ago, and I was being hosted by the young adult pastor, and he left me outside in this lineup, and I love this because even their church waits in line to go to church. And I started talking to people, and one guy was in the band as a saxophone player. Another guy was a small group leader. Someone else was just attending. And I started asking members of Hillsong, New York, which you've all heard of, and Carl Lentz and that dynamic work, and it's fantastic. And I started, asking, I started saying, listen, this is a great chance for research. I said, hey, what's your favorite part about this church? And you know what's interesting? I expected to hear, man, the preaching and Pastor Carl Lentz is amazing, and that would be a great reason. Didn't hear that once. I expected to hear, man, the music. I mean, it's Hillsong. It's Joel Houston. Not only Hillsong, it's Joel Houston. No one mentioned the music. Everybody mentioned the community. They might have said connect groups. They might have said my tribe. They might have said my friends. And the causes. Man, we're making a difference. Man, we're impacting New York. Man, we're changing the culture. And they mentioned these two things I want to give you real quick, lengthening and strengthening. And let me make it even more simpler. I think the key moments in Scripture and in churches that are growing right now are the same two things, community and cause. So we could argue on what the most key moments in the history of man when divine interaction happened, but I'm going to say at least the top three or maybe the top three and the top five would be these. Creation, we could argue that that was a divine moment, one of the top ones. Obviously, without creation, the rest wouldn't happen. The second one would be when Jesus started his ministry, started the rescue plan um, for us to be redeemed. I know the cross is in there, and there's a lot of moments, but the start of his ministry led to the cross and the resurrection and all that. And the third thing I would say would be the birth of the church in Acts. I think those, we could argue back and forth, but I don't think we would disagree much that those are three of the key moments, the top moments, of divine intervention in human history. Think about this, cause and community. These are the blueprint for growing church. God, the first thing he did was made man. He reproduced himself. Why? He wanted community. God wanted us. It said that he walked with Adam in the garden in the evening. He made community. You know what's amazing is God wanted community. In a perfect state, God himself said, I want community. We're made in God's image. We want community. You know what's the first thing he did to Adam? He gave him community, and then he gave him a cause. He said, Adam, name these animals. Isn't that fascinating that God said community wasn't enough. He had to have a cause. Adam said, listen, I have community with God, but that wasn't enough for Adam. God gave him something to build, something to do. He said, name these animals. Then Adam, listen to this, Adam, who was without sin, sin had not entered the picture, said, God isn't enough for me. He said, I'm lonely. I'm missing something. Adam, without sin, realized he was like God. He needed community, and God made Eve. Again, community. And then what did he say to Adam and Eve? He gave them a cause. Go forth and multiply. Now, that's a really fun cause, and I can get behind that kind of cause. But God said community and cause in the garden. Second thing, Jesus started his ministry. What's the first thing Jesus did? Jesus, who is, who is God who was like God, who was strengthened, who was pure, 
who was hidden for 18 years, working on his strength, working on his purity, working on his obedience. He launches in the ministry at 30. What's the very first thing he does? He builds community. He goes and gets 12 guys. He says, I can't do this alone. I need community. Jesus could have did a traveling ministry. He could have did it by himself. He didn't need anybody. But the very first thing Jesus did was build community. And what did he say to them? Follow me, which is community, and I will make you, which is cause. Fishers of men. Community and cause. Then we have the birth of the church. Jesus said to them, listen, go and wait for another, a relationship. Go wait for community. I'm sending someone else. He said to 500 of them and 120 listened, and they went in the upper room and they had community. They were together. They were, they were living together. They were eating together. They were sharing together. They were praying together. They had community waiting for another relationship. The Holy Spirit came, fell on them, and what did he say? He said, when my Holy Spirit comes, when he comes, you're going to become my witnesses. In, Ju- in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the other parts of the world, he gave them a cause. I've seen it in Scripture over and over and over. Whenever God does something that grows, I've seen it in churches. I was just with uh, uh, Elijah Waters, the campus pastor for Judah Smith in L.A. He said, Mike, our church has grown by 2,000 between L.A., uh, Seattle, and Mexico in the last year. He's like, and what's growing is our community and our cause. I see it in Hillsong, New York. I see it in smaller youth ministries. But in Scripture, biblical blueprint for ministry, from the garden to the start of the ministry of Jesus to the birth of the church, he married community and cause. Listen, God the Father did it, God the Son did it, and God the Spirit did it. If they all did community and cause, how much more do we need to do the same thing? Cause, this is what I've been thinking about. Cause without community won't last. A lot of churches are building on social justice, and that's great. They're building on, hey, let's go multi-site. Let's impact our culture. Let's get into business. And it feels driven. It won't last. If it's only a cause, it won't last. If it's only community without cause, it won't satisfy. Adam had community with God, and it wasn't enough. It didn't satisfy. He needed something to do. And I've seen young adults. I've seen youth ministries. They're 15. They're 20. There are 100 of them, and they have coffee, and they love each other. And they have a great, strong community. Man, they go on retreats. They go on conferences. They're together. But until you give them a cause, it won't satisfy. That's why we have all these teenagers starting these dot-coms. They're, they're digging wells in Haiti. They're putting shoes on kids in Africa. They're getting fresh water. They want to do things. Why? Because we're designed to build something. We're designed to have a cause. And I think as we get ready to open up the questions and Ryan takes it, The blueprint for ministry is lengthening and strengthening. I think the blueprint for ministry biblically, and I've also seen it um, culturally, is when you get cause and community together, you have something that is not only strong, but it's something that will lengthen. And I think if you have those together, I think it's a biblical example for growth. All right, Ryan, you're up. Mike, that was was phenomenal, man. trying to keep up on the notes here uh and that was that was just awesome um guys we're gonna uh open up for q a so if you have a question go ahead and push star six and we'll get you uh in line here to to um ask mike a question but mike i know um one of the things that uh really really impressed me when i was out there with you uh, is just this this idea of longevity you've been at one church for for years and years and years and one thing that just really impressed me when I was out there was just the power of longevity 
Um, man, just, just speak into that for just a minute. We've got a bunch of questions. I don't want to spend too much time on this one, but uh, just speak into that just a little bit. Oh, sorry, Mike, I muted you. Um, let me... Let me get uh, you unmuted here. You Sorry about that, now? Mike. Go, yeah, we got you now. Go ahead. Um, you've heard that saying that love covers a multitude of sin. I think longevity covers a multitude of weaknesses. And there's something about longevity that builds trust. Um, and just you learn more. What you know at five years, you didn't know at one year. And you can learn and get better and better and better. I'll just say this. We have a culture of longevity, not just in our youth ministry, but in our church. Um, our children's pastor to this day has been there 22 years. I think whenever there's room for expansion with leaders, you create longevity. And a lot of leaders are, 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 are scared to when they have someone of talent and someone of character that rising through the ranks. Listen, I think Saul could have had longevity if he had embraced David and let him launch into greatness. I had a youth pastor that didn't think it was – he wasn't building um, um, fame. He wasn't building a platform for himself. He believed his job was to launch leaders into greatness and reproduce himself and replace himself. What happened was he never actually replaced himself. He just kept growing his influence and infrastructure. One thing we did is we always say this, that our leaders mean more to us than what they do, and we tried to promote them and help their giftings. And because of that, we had a longevity um, where people wanted to stick around because when you stuck around, you grew in your talent, your influence, and your gifting. And there wasn't that frustration of people turning over. Like I said, strengthening without lengthening causes like a cannon of fire to blow up or expand. We never had church splits or blowing up because there was room in that to expand. And because of that, it gave longevity. That's awesome, Mike. Appreciate it, man. Let's get into uh, some of these questions here. All right, go ahead. Uh, is that me? Yeah, go ahead. Wonderful. Hey, Mike, this is Andre Anderson, man. Uh, it's hey, Andre. <laughs> but, yeah, um, all right, my, my question would be for, I mean, you talk about lengthening and strengthening. So let's say some of, some of these guys on the call, let's say some of them are, feel, are looking at their lives and they're saying, oh, man, well, I was good at lengthening, but not strengthening and vice versa. So do you have two action steps on how to, you know, push the other one forward? like two action steps on, you know, lengthening and two action steps on strengthening? Uh, I don't know if I have two, but let me just share the thought is we know this on this call that you reproduce what you are. Um, Mm -hmm. Strengthening really comes back to you. The most valuable resource in your ministry, um, whether you come from a mega church or you feel like a small church, the most valuable resource is not your lights or your budget. It's your spirit. And your spirit will either be a bottleneck that limits what God wants to do or it will be a funnel that makes it actually um, attainable to what God wants to download. You can make it easy for those below you to actually handle it. Strengthening, it's the hard work. It's the stuff I was talking about, this pastor in Ontario that prayed and fasted and worshipped and worked on his attitude and his purity. At the end of the day, the strengthening comes down to your spirit and your quality. And we have to ask the tough questions like, how spiritual am I? How, how good am I at denying myself? How much do I hear God's voice? How much of my life, and here's the question is, you want to know how strong your ministry is and how strong your leadership is, would you follow you? If you can't answer that question, then you have some work to do. If you want to strengthen, it just goes back to the same things we learned when we were younger and in Bible college, you know what to do. 
It's saying, I got to get myself healthy spiritually, not a works mentality, but saying, listen, I need to cut time out for God. I need to hear his voice. I need to ask him, God, how are me and you doing? We know how to do that. That's the one thing. Get back to the healthy. And you can't tell people to do something you're not doing yourself. So you can't say, hey, guys, I want you to pray 15 minutes a day, and I want you to worship for five and pray for five, and I want you to you know, read your Bible for five if you're not doing it. You get yourself going first, and then you do it for your youth. That's one. The lengthening is really, uh, I would say this, it's the way I think Jesus did it. How you start lengthening before you go to different services or campuses or whatever is reproduce yourself in your youth ministry. If you're preaching, leading worship, doing the website, doing the sound, setting up chairs, cleaning up, taking kids out, and no one else's, you have a problem, you're not going to lengthen. I believe the model biblically is this, and you've probably been taught this. As a leader, you say, I'm going to do it, you're going to watch. Then, to your youth, youth, whether they be 15 or 20, okay, I did it, you watched, now we're going to do it together. And then it's eventually get to a place where they do it and you watch. Let me say, Andre, this way, way Jesus did it. Jesus came on the scene, he healed the sick, he raised the dead, the disciples watched. At some point in that training, in that three years, he switched it and said, let's do it together. And he said this. All right, they came to him and said, hey, the multitude is hungry, the 5,000 is hungry. He said, you feed them. They went and got loaves and fish, brought it back together, and then he blessed it, and they did it together. Then he said, peace, out, I'm gone, it's on you guys. He did it, they watched, then they did it together, and then he left, and they did it. If you can start doing that with the website, hey, I update the Twitter on this night, this is how I do it, watch me do it, then hey, do it together, send me what you want to tweet. Yeah, I would change it a little bit, i put that hashtag in, i put this in, i do it at this time and then you hand over the Twitter account to that 16-year-old. Um, same thing with transitions in a service. If you're doing all the transitions, you do it, let them see you do it. Then do it together. Hey, here's how I transitioned, and that was a little awkward, or you were too funny and you weren't spiritual enough, or you were way too spiritual and you weren't welcoming enough, and then you give it over to the 16-year-old, let him do all the transitions. And that works for lighting to sound to preaching to worship to guest ministry. I think if you do that, you start lengthening within your service, then you can start thinking even going to your schools, multi-site. I don't know if that makes sense. Yeah, that was really good, man. Really okay. good. Thank you. All right, great. Let's uh, get into uh, 333, 337. Things with Bo? Yeah, it's me. Hey, what's up, man? Hey, Bo. Hey, Mike. Hey, dude, thanks so much for sharing that, dude. I just uh, – calls and community. Um, I think so many times there's an internal battle where you're just like, yo, do we go for community without a – or do we try to go for a cause? Uh, I think you just played you just played it brilliantly. It's not a an either or; it's a both and. Uh, right, right. It's un, it's universal, man. It, it it transcends areas. It transcends you know demographic. It really is right. something that applies to everyone. Uh, dude, I was uh, taking down mental notes. We're we're on the road right now. I'm, I'm we're helping set my younger brother up for his proposal today. So he's proposing to the girl of his dreams. <laughs> but, uh, we've all been we've all been listening, dude. It's been great. I appreciate it so much, dude. Uh, I, I've got my next topic for our leaders meeting. It's gonna be great. A uh, couple things. Oh, uh, one, uh, congratulations, Mike, for being the best looking guy on this phone call. And, uh, <laughs> number two, filters. A question. Filters, buddy. It's a all qu- about filters. Yeah. <laughs> my Visco cam, right? No. Uh, yep. <laughs> My my question is, dude, what pomade do you use, bro? Because that thing is, like, that's for real. It's for real. Uh, buddy, I have no idea. I just buy something. I buy something different every time. Anyway, I have no idea. 
Ask James. He's the man. <laughs> yeah, I will. Hey, thanks so much, man. Really, really appreciate it. If he, Heath Corrales, if you're out there, bro, love you, man. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I love it. I love it. All right, let's get to uh, the next one, 806 area code. Yeah, that's me. My name is Cameron. How you doing? Hey, Cameron. Hey, uh, so I just want to just ask a question about the – so we have the, the youth church field. We don't play games. We don't do uh, small groups on Wednesday nights. It's, it's the youth church. They walk into worship and walk yep. out of the altar is what we want to do. Um, the hardest part for me is learning how to do community in that youth church. You know, it, we have life groups on Sundays where we try to get them to, but it's, it's the students that are coming in um, that aren't experiencing that community as much on a Wednesday night because we're so um, – we, we, it's, it's hard to be relationship-focused on a Wednesday night. So yep. what do you do to, to experience community on a youth church Wednesday night? Great question. Um, on a Wednesday night myself, I think your ministry just can't be on a Wednesday night. Now, I'm not saying build, make yourself busier, but I think there's way, I believe whatever you, re- whatever you reward, you reproduce. Um, and reward, I mean by verbally, by money, by time, by promotion. Twitter is big for us up here, whether it be Instagram or Facebook. I think there's things even like, hey, man, like when you get to preach, like so-and-so, uh, football team at this high school, man, a whole bunch of us are going Friday night. We would love for you to see you there. Or, hey, last week, let me throw this picture up on my Instagram I, uh, that from last week. Man, we had a laugh cheering on so-and-so, man, as he made his debut as the quarterback or as the running back. There's ways to build community that, you know, I think seriousness is not a fruit of the spirit. I think a lot of times we look at ministry like it has to be, um, you know, open the Bible, praise and worship, someone singing, you know, Bethel or No Longer Slaves. Ministry is life together, and I think there's ways without building, you know, a time and permission slips and you need waiver forms. It's simple as, hey, we all, you know, we all go to this food thing after Wednesday night. Like, you don't have to come. This is not a thing like we're going to make everybody go, but just let you know when youth's done, if we don't have the kind of building where you have a youth room or a cafeteria or, or a coffee shop, it's like we're all heading down to McDonald's. And what happens is you can kind of capitalize on these moments of, hey, if you get a chance, come join us. Or um, we're starting a um, – if you start like a devotional time at Starbucks, that's one way. There's ways just to celebrate what's already naturally built, like the football game or in, in Canada it's the hockey game or so-and-so's birthday party. Like there's a 17-year-old having a birthday party. You're like, hey, man, tell the leaders, hey, let's just drop in for 10 minutes of this birthday party and celebrate this kid before I go on a date night with my wife. What will happen is you'll start building this community of we're in this together. You know you have something when they start wanting to hang out with each other. On a midweek program itself, one thing I would do, and we started doing, was working in small groups to the actual night itself. We used to do small groups separate on another night, but once we started doing our university service, it would start to wear my leaders too thin to do – can you still hear me, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, we're good. To have a midweek service, to have a Friday service on a university campus, and then to do small groups – outside of the program, one thing that I may suggest, and I've seen some other places do this as well, is maybe once a month, do your worship, because worship, you know, you want to reward that. And then instead of preaching, you know, either break into small groups or bring food into the community and do something. You know, we were so good at the spiritual things, we weren't really good at the fun things. And I think you need the, you need the strengthening, you need the preaching. I believe in real strong preaching and, and, and altar times. But to work in some fun stuff, and if that means 
renting a field or doing some of these stupid games, which I wasn't really a big fan of, but I realized these kids need fun. Community is built around fun. You think about who you hang with on a Friday night. It's not because you're going to learn something. It's because you're going to enjoy yourself. If we can make a community that is healthy but also fun, I would sacrifice maybe, not, maybe once a month, maybe once every six weeks, have your worship, and then intentionally reward it going, tonight, guys, we're going to have fun tonight. You know, we're going to, you know, we're going to do this game or we're going to bring in food or we're going to, you know, have a Christmas party or we're going to do what charades, whatever you want to do. Man, we're going to do rock band. I don't know. God will give you creative ideas. But you can build community within the confines of a parent dropping them off and picking them up, and you're looking to connect them sideways. I think that and rewarding what's already built, like football games, right afterwards. I would go to work, man, and I'd be like, I'm not going to be home early. I'm done preaching. Everything's put away. I'm going to McDonald's, and I'd tell as many people as possible. It's amazing how many people that are hungry for community would show up. And McDonald's is cheap, man. They'd have a burger, and we'd just laugh and hang out. With it, and, and there was nothing for me to set up. There was nothing for me to promote. There was nothing for me to organize. It was naturally built. That's one way I would do it. Yeah. That's great, Mike. Hey, let's uh, let's get into uh, this next one. Uh, think, Jason. Jason, you're there. Uh, Joshua. Oh, okay. Says, yeah. uh, Jason here. Sorry about that. Uh, no problem. Uh, thanks, Mike, man. Just a uh, great word you shared. Extremely convicted right now sitting in my office, bro. I just want you to know that, man. Um, thanks, buddy. I think, I think community has been, a, has been a big deal for what we're doing here um, in OKC. But, man, you talked about just uh, needing more seed, sowing more seed, and getting more seed in more places. I think one of my, our weaknesses that we've done is just uh, we've done, a, I think, a fairly decent job of just the immediate people that come to every meeting or to every community thing that um, that we do. We did, a, I think, a very poor job in really getting outside of our normal people that, that attend our meetings. Um, what, would be some, what would be some things, man, that, that you would do outside of the normal, hey, man, invite a friend, or, you know, right. we're doing an outreach just to specifically, um, just to say that we did one to kind of justify, you know, we're also an outreach-driven type of, Youth ministry. What are some creative things that maybe you've done, or some things you might have done that failed, man? We, I think once again, yeah. one of our struggles is just really enlarging our community outside of our normal people. It's it's good once you get in, but I think it's hard for us to get to get new people in, or really to get out and get new people. So, right. Good question. I like what you said. It's good when you get in, which means that your quality is there. I look at I look at advertising companies. What do they do? They jump on different mediums all the time to try to get their word out. For example, Toyota commercials now no longer say go to Toyota.com. They say like us on Facebook. One thing we did to get the word out, again, more seed in more places. Our university ministry, downtown there's all these posters up because of bands and nightclubs and whatever. Well, we put up 300 posters every week. And people think posters. We had more people coming to our services because of posters. And we thought, listen, that's just another way for people to hear about our thing. I'd say, how did you come here tonight? Who brought you? Like, I saw a poster. Another thing, man, you'll see is we would put advertisement in newspapers. But we, you, we live in a generation where there's free stuff like Facebook. Listen, we did a page. Once someone likes you on Facebook, you're now in their life. Whereas a text message they have to open, if you – We'd find ways, like you guys all know it, hashtags on Instagram. We'd be like, hey, man, tag your picture of what you're excited about this week and use a hashtag. 
so many young people are searching hashtags and watching social media, and they're, they're the most connected generation ever, but they're also the most isolated, which means they don't have real relationships, so they're longing for community. You say to a 15-year-old, do you see so-and-so this week? They're like, yeah, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so. And when you unpack it, they were texting or they were online gaming. And when you get them in the same room laughing together, going back to the previous question, man, eating together, doing something, they realize they've been lacking it. That's why I think depression's on the rise, suicide's on the rise, is we're dying for, connect, for real relationships, but they're also connected. So you put a sandwich up on Instagram and a guy in Alabama's going to like it in Australia. I think we can use that stuff. So I'm a big believer on hashtags. Um, I'm a big believer on stuff like, um, hey, put your best picture for this. We're going to pick the best picture on Instagram of retreat, man. Put up the best video of you being excited, that kind of stuff, the best YouTube video. Get your kids to be creative. These guys are geniuses at, at social media. And their friends are like, man, why would you put that picture up? And the hashtag, you know, I'm going to whatever your ministry or can't wait for retreat. That stuff gets the word out. And people are watching you and your youth ministry that you have no idea. That's why when you go to a conference or a retreat and you put a hashtag up, man, kids are watching that. And then they're like, man, my best friend went to that retreat. They click on the hashtag and they see everybody else's pictures and it's getting the word out. I think social media is a big deal. I think there's even, hey, man, whoever puts the best picture on social media, as a team, we're going to pick the best one. You're going to get a free retreat or you're going to get a, a free conference out of it. And all of a sudden, these guys are using their influence. Man, you've got kids in your youth ministry that have a thousand people following them on Instagram. And they're going to put up a picture of, I'm excited for a retreat, or I'm excited for this Wednesday night, and they put the hashtag. There's that, that's a free publicity. That doesn't cost your budget anything except maybe give them, a, uh, give them a McDonald's gift card or a Starbucks gift card for 20 bucks. That is free advertising on Facebook. That's one way. I think posters are a great way. I think there's ways to do that kind of stuff that I don't think we use enough of. You know it. When you're at home, you're like, man, who's that, who's that person? You're 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 back 20 weeks into a creep of somebody that was with somebody that was tagged in something. You're like, who's that? And what do they do? You're used to the exact same thing. I think social media is a great tool we have. Yeah, that's a great one. That was awesome. All right. Uh, next one's up. Hey, Mike, this is uh, Cameron at Edmond, Oklahoma. wanted to echo everybody, just say thank you so much for for all this stuff, really feeling convicted on the uh, the cause side of things. I feel like our youth ministry, I've been really excited to watch the community aspect really get close to uh, right. what I've been dreaming about for, for our ministry. Uh, but I think now, I think it might be a step-by-step process. I think building the community was first, and now connecting them right. to the cause is, is the second. How would you inspire... Um, maybe a, a group of students and their leader to even look for their cause. You know, I think, I think it'd be cool if each, each specific group had a, a, a more specific cause to their group. How do you inspire them to really, to really seek that out and figure out what that is? Great question. If I tried to, if I started talking about Canada, you've never been here, you might want to understand, you might really try to understand, but until you've experienced it, it's a foreign concept. And we say things like, let's go win our generation. And our youth leave our services where we preach our guts out and they feel inspired and God's done a deep work. And they're walking out challenged to change the generation. But what does that look like on a Monday morning? And what happens is we make it so abstract that the youth are like, I want to do it, but I don't know what it is. And I, I think we need to unpack it and make it real practical. For example, when we tell stories about 
again, whatever you reward, you reproduce. So when you're preaching about changing a generation and you bring up like Jarrett, Jarrett, man, on, on his football team, he simply literally used his car to drive his buddy to practice every week because God's blessed him with the car. That's changing a generation. All of a sudden, the kid's sitting there four rows back going, oh, changing a generation, that seems so abstract. It means driving guys to practice. It means building relationships. I think you have to model it. I think you have to give them small wins. For example, here's an idea. Guys, we're going to pick the biggest high school or junior high school, and we're going to buy a, a, a donuts from Krispy Kreme. We're going to put a card in there from our youth ministry and say, hey, thank you for, for, for you know, loving on our students and doing a great job signed. And every kid that goes to that school will sign the card. And on a Monday morning, take, give it to your best student, who's the most you know, character of the student, and they take it to the teacher's lounge and drop it off. And then the next week, you're like, hey, guys, did you know what happened this week? This small group, man, they took donuts to their school, and they dropped it off. And they were like, we love our teachers. All of a sudden, another guy's going, why don't we do that to our school? Or someone else like, you know what, I have an idea. What if we get enough money together to sponsor new uniforms for the basketball team? You've got to give them practical ideas and set them up for wins. Simplest thing is dropping off pizzas to the teacher's lounge on a Friday afternoon, hey, You've had a long week. Celebrate the weekend. Thank you for loving our students. The average, the average student's going to go, that's an idea. That's a cause. You know, Operation Christmas Child Boxes, to be real practical, they just, the season's up for those. But that's not a lot of infrastructure. That's pretty simple. They come to your church. All of a sudden, like, can we get 100 boxes or can we get 20 boxes? That's a cause that a 15-year-old's going to be like, hey, it's $8, it's $10, can I do this? And then you're showing pictures, you're telling stories of how it makes a difference. And then you're celebrating on Instagram, hey, our youth ministry made 20 boxes or 50 boxes. You're taking pictures and you're tagging all these kids in it. And these kids at school are going, wait a minute, so-and-so from my, from my homeroom class, man, they're helping kids in Mexico or help kids in Honduras. That's pretty cool. And now you have a community tied to a cause. That's why these kids are signing up and they're walking for breast cancer and they have no one in their family even affected by it. Why? Because it's a God-given desire to join a cause. I think if you give them practical, simple ideas, even like this community that you have right now on this conference call, texting each other, hey, man, we did this. We did free hot chocolate and free coffee at the football game and just put our logo on the front, you know, our youth ministry. Um, hey, we just did it for free, and we gave out, you know, 100 cups of coffee and 100 cups of hot chocolate and just wanted to bless our football team. All of a sudden, another guy in another state going, man, that's a good idea. I got 50 bucks in a budget. Maybe someone will sponsor it. Man, I'll do the same thing. That kind of stuff is ideas where all of a sudden your students are like, I get to go behind a coffee table. I'm not going to be preaching. I'm just going to be sitting there cheering for our football team in our colors for our team. People are going to be like, that's so cool. You guys give out free drinks at the football team. There's a cause. It strengthens your community. And now people are like, okay, what are we going to do next? Does that make sense? Yeah, that's great. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Well, guys, it's uh, just after 4 o'clock. Oh, I'm sorry, sorry, 11 o'clock. Uh, hey, man, we're just so excited for uh, everything that uh, has gone on. And, and, Mike, thank you so much for your time. Uh, I know you've got a lot going on, so I really appreciate you giving us some of your time. I uh, just want a couple reminders for you guys. Uh, we have uh, our preview day coming up uh, next Monday 
Uh, it is going to be from 7 to 8 p.m. Central Standard Time. would love for you guys to join us on that if you've got some students that are interested in maybe uh, pursuing what might be next for them and uh, VSL might be an option for them. Also, a reminder, we will not be having a call next month with Christmas break, but we'll be back in January. The call will be January 28th with Joseph Kellogg from the Oaks uh, down in uh, just outside of Dallas. And uh, he's going to be talking about awesome, just some great, great uh, youth ministry practical things for you. Uh, also, Jared Murrah talked about the 20 conference coming up January 16th. Would love for you guys to join us for that here in Oklahoma City. You can get more information about that at the website uh, bethe20.com. That's bethe20.com. And also, if you uh, missed last last month's call or you want to re-listen to this one, you can go to uh, yproundtable.com. That's yproundtable.com. And uh, you can go ahead and um, re-listen to that uh, and get all the sermon notes. So, Mike, any uh, final thoughts for us on our way out? No, I just want to thank you guys. And, again, I know there's a lot going on, and you guys – have a lot of things on your schedule and even, even attention problems. I'm one of you guys. I just want to say it's a real honor and I'm thankful for community even like this. And thanks, Ryan. I love what you're doing. Love your heart. I hope you guys have a huge, huge day. All right. Thanks so much, guys. Looking forward to uh, connecting with you guys in January. Have a great week and, uh, and go out and get them, man. 